you know, if I do nothing else, and if a lot of wholesalers do nothing else and just buy a good amount of properties, you know, using the rule of seven, like that's it, it'll be worth 50 million bucks in, you know, a form 50. And I do nothing else. And so what I'm getting at is the gold for me is in this business. Mic check. I'm good. Mic check. Mic check. You can read about success all day long, but if you don't put in the work, the mindset, execution, and the hustle behind your vision, it just remains a dream. When everything goes wrong, you have to take all the responsibility. We uncover what high-level entrepreneurs, business owners do to rise up from hustling daily. So do what you feel passionate about. Take chances. The world becomes your library to help you to become better at your craft. Join me as I share with you actionable tips to help you grow your business, learn skills, and help you level up in your self-development journey. Your number one spot for business and personal growth is the Online Hustlers Podcast with your host, Esteban Andrade. Every day I'm hustling. What's going on, everyone that is watching this episode, the new episode of the Online Hustlers Podcast, where we're bringing Badass players, real estate players, entrepreneurs in this podcast, actually, regardless of where they come from, they are diamond type. And they're they're actually going to be um, having a conversation with me because we're going to extract as much as possible so that you get a lot of value. You actually start applying some of these tactics, um, strategies, secrets, anything that they have to come and uh, provide to you for your business and real estate uh, business. So today we have a, a special guest that has been viral in a few in a few weeks or for a few weeks now. And uh, he, this guest is a landlord. This guest is a real estate investor. He uh, he does rehabs. He is a wholesale uh, entrepreneur. And recently has became super, super viral in Miami. And uh, and he just keeps growing. Recently, he's been invited to iHeartRadio. He's been invited to a few uh, broadcasting or news broadcasts and a few uh, TV shows or something like that. No. Uh, channel 7. <laughs> Ch and things channel, like that. <laughs> all right, TV channel. Uh, but it's cool because um, he also uh, does uh, very well for his business. He, has, he does over 100 deals uh, a year. And um, and now it's it's to the point where he's getting millions of millions, like over seven, eight million views on TikTok, and continues growing. So he's been reached out by a couple people, uh, and I'm you know I'm, I'm fortunate that I know this guy and that I had asked him to go to come to the podcast because now we're going to talk about um, a, a bunch of different things that he can provide us. Um, how he actually went viral. 8 million views on TikTok, how he's doing 100 deals a year and um, how he's crushing it in a very tough market uh, where a lot of people actually consider Miami a tough market. A lot of people consider Miami to be like one of those markets that they don't want to mess with because it's competitive and like, you know, very high expensive homes. And, you know, the people here are also like kind of different than the rest of the United States. To me, Miami is like an extension to South America, so it's like you have to deal yeah. with the t the people here that live in in uh, in, yeah. in Miami, man. <laughs> but man, thank you it's for crazy. coming. Yeah, I appreciate you having me, man. It's awesome. I love the studio. Come in. It's it's like really cool. It's such a cool vibe in here. Honestly, thank you. Uh, again, guys, if if you guys get any value out of this, there's 60 seconds that you have just to leave us a review, five stars. Uh, tell us how you liked it. And um, also subscribe to the YouTube channel. Let's do it. All right. So, <laughs> Raul, man. So, tell me who you are. How'd you get to 8 million views on TikTok? <laughs> and, like, uh, what's your background? Because I know that you are, like, the Taramontara Miami, man. Well, that's funny. I mean, it's a loaded question, but it's crazy because, um, man, when it comes to the views and the videos, I've been posting videos for a while. I haven't been extremely consistent probably in the last year and a half i have been and it's wild because you hear it like how just one video can take off and things and it had to happen for me until recently uh but i don't have a formula yet <laughs> if i wish i did honestly i just stayed consistent putting videos and it happened to be that i raised a tenant's rent and that's the one that went uh went viral which is uh very controversial so but no, I mean, I'm born and raised in miami and i don't know man i just always had a will to to do something my, my father um, he came from Cuba, 
you know, when he was, uh, I think like 12 years old, well, he went to Venezuela first and then he came here, sold it, made profit and then bought two and bought three. And then he opened up a car dealership and, you know, for 30 something years, he had a, you know, a great car dealership down here. And that was my, that was like my path, you know, was to go and, um, you know, sell cars there, eventually maybe become a manager, maybe own it one day. And I don't know. I just, it wasn't for me. I tried. (laughs) I mean, if you're watching this and you've sold cars before, you know what I'm talking about. Like there's just some aura around it. But um, anyways, I I just kind of always realized that real estate was the game I wanted to play. I started listening to podcasts, YouTube, found some mentors, and that's how I started. And um, it took me three months to get my first deal. I, my first mentor was Jim Van Dyke. If you guys are listening to this from Miami, I'm sure you guys know who he is. Um, he's an OG in the game, really good guy. And it took me three months of getting to get my first deal, making offers, sending letters, spending money, you know, driving the houses, the whole thing. Finally got my first little $6,000 check and that's it. I was like, this is, this is, uh, this is it. Then, you know, 6,000 is what it took you to actually go all in into this $6,000. Yeah. I'm cheap, bro. I'm like, (laughs) I'm cheap. You can find me on the streets. I'm cheap out there. No. So it was just that proof, man. And it was like, I mean, 6,000 was a lot for me, um, back then. Uh, and it still is a pretty good amount of money, but like, I think it was just a proof, like just seeing the check. I remember I drove to the title company to pick up the check. You know, I don't even do that anymore, but like I drove, I met the buyer, I met the title agent. And I got the check. And so I started seeing all this was real. You know, the deal, I did it like over the phone at the time. And I found the buyer over the phone. And so everything was happening through email over the phone. And it wasn't until I went to the office, I shook hands, I saw the paperwork, I saw the check. I'm like, oh man, this is real. Let's let's go. And um, I've always kind of had like a nerdy, addictive personality. I was, I was not very popular in high school, you know, like normal guy. I mean, you you do your own <laughs> Google ads, so yeah, that's where we bond for sure. <laughs> um, so, man, I just got addicted to it. I'm like, let's let's go and do a bunch of deals and figure this out. Figure this out. Okay. So, all right. So, you came from the automotive world. A lot of people that come from the automotive world, they have they get the experience from sales, um, and somehow it gets transcribed well into wholesaling. Um, because at the end of the day, this is a sales and marketing organization that yeah. you need to build systems to keep helping more homeowners in many ways. Yeah. Um, but you said that your, so your parents, uh, continued that business. Like, it, my, it, yeah, my father did for a while, probably as of like two, three, uh, maybe three years ago is when he closed it, but he was in business for like 35 years or something. Yeah. Okay. He continued for a while. All right. And uh, so when you got into wholesaling, um, did you did you try any like flips, rehabs, or you just stuck to like flipping contracts? Oh, that's a good question. Um, it probably took me a year before I bought my first flip. So within my first year, I bought my first two rentals. So first year I got in business, well, I was doing deals on the multiple listing service on the MLS. That's how Jim at the time taught me, or my previous mentor. So he would teach me how to find deals on the MLS, make an offer, and then wholesale it for like, you know, 2000 5000 7000 things like that. Yeah. And uh, then after doing that for a little while, I saved up some money and I bought my first rental property. It was a little apartment and for 61000 And then I bought another property, which was going to be a flip, but I ended up keeping it as a rental. And that's the first and only time ever that I borrowed money money from my family, from my mother or father. Um, And my mom lent me the money at 15% interest rate. Till this day, that's the highest rate I've ever paid a lender. (laughs) It was to my mother. Did she she try to negotiate with you or you just gave her, you were generous? Like, hey, 15%. No, because the the deal kind of came really fast. I'm like, crap, I need to close in this deal in like three days. You know, one of those. And um, I didn't have the money. I had like... The house was 47,000. I had 20,000 saved up. And I'm like, mom, could you lend me the other 27? Like, I don't want it free. Like, lend it to me. And she's like, okay, 15% interest. Then she just named it. I'm like, <laughs> really? I didn't even, I didn't want to negotiate with her. I'm like, all right, fine, mom. So whatever. She's a hustler. I, yeah. And then I had, I paid her off within a year because I'm like, this is eating up my cash flow right yeah, here. Yeah. So, but I don't blame her, you know? I think it was a, a very valuable lesson for me. I mean, I was 21. Um, so I didn't like have too much money or experience or anything, but yeah, I'm kind of glad she did that. Your first deal worked by your mother. Yeah. <laughs> and she made probably more money than me the first year, but uh, I'm, I'm happy it worked out. But yeah, so it took me probably, 
I would say within the first year, I bought my first two properties that ended up being rentals. It wasn't until maybe like year two or year three that I started getting more into fix and flips and buying properties and doing more creative things with them. All right, going back to the topic, like, so, so your parents has, uh, helped you at the beginning, basically getting that deal done, your mom, your mother helped you at the beginning because you wanted to find a, someone that can lend you the money. Yeah. Yeah. It was a really quick close and, and I need some money and um, I probably could have gone to a hard money lender, but I asked her and she said, Hey, I'll do it 15%, probably a lot more than I would have paid with the hard money guy. But, uh, you know, I rather, you know, she, so she did help me out in that. And that was the last time that I borrowed. Well, there was one other time that my dad, after I had done probably like 200 deals, like this was maybe like two years ago, I'd done like two, 300 deals, 400, whatever. And, um, and there was a deal. And my dad was like, Hey, if you ever have a good deal, like I'll lend you the money. And I said, okay. After I did a bunch of them, because uh, I have like that ego and I, I didn't want to have get money from my parents until like I did the business myself and made a lot of money myself. So I went ahead and did that for a few years. And then my dad's like, all right. So it was $60,000 loan it was for a little house here. I think I was buying the house for like 70. He let me 60. I put 10 and I was fixing it all up, a little thing like that. And um, it was supposed to be a year loan. And after like three months, he's like, hey, you know, can I have the money back? And I'm like, dad, this is supposed to be a year loan, but whatever. Here, I wrote him a check. <laughs> I gave him the 60 grand back and that was that. I never borrowed money from my parents again. <laughs> <laughs> so you did, um, you've done a hundred deals in average. And I guess like the last year you did a hundred deals on the last year. Um, what's one deal? How much is one deal? Oh, plus Instacart. <laughs> yeah, they got the Instacart. There you go. he, sm he smells the good stuff. Yeah, plus. And uh, <laughs> Okay, hey. come here. Hey, you're the co-host. I know you're also security <laughs> and you also are um, interruption <laughs> person. Host. Host. <laughs> All right. And hey, come here. Come. come on. <laughs> All right. They just put the, the groceries in there. All right. Let's go. So um, you've done 100 deals in a year in Miami, what's one deal worth in Miami, the city of Miami? Well, well, yeah. So to clarify, we don't do all of our deals in Miami. We okay. do mainly Florida. I would say probably 60% of our business in Florida and then other 40% in different parts of the country. Okay. Um, but when I did start, it was all Miami. Like the, my first three years were only Dade and Broward County period. Like there was no virtual wholesale deals anywhere. Uh, currently, we've been a little bit everywhere. But a deal worth in Miami is... For us, probably about 30 grand, 30 to 40 grand, I would say, per deal on a wholesale level. Yeah. Is that because Miami has a, such a high medium home price and you can get like really good buyers too? Uh, you can have very discounted properties because of the homeowners. Like why why $30,000 in Miami? Demand, uh, the demand. And also like you, could, you can kind of, uh, to project it, you could say that wholesalers get about 10 to 12% you know, fee of the price of the property. So if the property, the median price in Miami is 300 grand, yep. then a $30,000 assignment fee is pretty reasonable. So uh, that's the reason why. I mean, the prices in Miami have gone up. They're pretty much always at above 300 grand. So so that's, that's one factor in that. And also just the demand is so high. There's so many people living here. There's a lot of cash over here. Whether it's clean or dirty cash, you know, doesn't really, you know, not really for us to decide. But uh, there's just so much cash here. People want to spend money in Miami. There's people want to invest here. Uh, you know, it's just a great city, man. <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about uh, the Miami experience being a wholesaler and a real estate investor. Because like homeowners here, I mean, you got you got oh. here all the Hispanics, South oh. Americans, Central Americans, Caribbean, um, and I bet homeowners are different yeah. in Miami. Like. You have to deal with them differently. Oh yeah. Uh, than like a regular, you know, white collar American in in the, in the north or something. Like, tell me about that experience. Oh my god. I mean, I have stories for days of of stuff like that, and and any other like wholesaler investor must have ton, tons of stories. But I mean, I, the stories like start to flood in. I, I could think of one, but I mean, just the experience is crazy out here because yes, people from South America or even people have lived here their whole lives. They've seen the city grow so much or people are just moving here. Um, it's just a very hustle mentality. So everyone is is a real, a real estate agent or everyone is really smart or everyone knows everything. 
And um, there's nothing wrong with that. I actually love that about the city. But yes, when you are conducting business here or trying to get a house at a discounted price, it, there, it comes up with its challenges, you know? Um, what are those challenges? Man, they they know what they know what it's worth and they know that their neighbor can buy it or they're you know they could just list it themselves because they got they went to real estate school and things like this so those are the challenges like the comp the competition is more than just a competition so in miami instead of the competition being another wholesaler or real estate agent the competition is that the seller themselves is a real estate agent or their neighbor or their sister or their brother or they're, you know, whatever, or they're an investor themselves. They flipped a house in the past, things like that. I was talking to a seller yesterday. They have a house in Fort Lauderdale. It's a house and a lot in Fort Lauderdale. And um, she was talking to me. She was telling me how she just flipped, you know, two houses in uh, Sebring, Florida. And she's telling me how she's done all this construction and all this stuff. And it's like, she's trying to sell me her house. I'm trying to buy it like at 50% of value. That brings up its challenges. And she's telling me all the competition. She's like, oh, you know, Cause we're like top three ranked sites in Florida. So there's like the other two top sites ranked are, she's like, she's telling me them over the phone. Oh, I already spoke to this guy from this company and this guy from this company. And you know, your offer is the lowest. So you got to come up here. It's like <laughs> that, bro, that like, I mean, that happens everywhere, but it happens a lot in Miami. Yeah. It's, it's a, uh, I mean, it can be a lot of fun, but it's pretty frustrating. Do you also think <laughs> it's also the Hispanic culture that is very negotiator? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I grew up, uh, my family's Cuban, Puerto Rican and stuff and you told me you're Colombia. i've been to Colombia a few times and I have a lot of friends my girlfriend's Colombia. anyways like yeah like this culture we're, we're hustlers like you know our countries were not you know they're not in the conditions that you could just kind of relax and live off the government or you know it's not like free education it's different so like you know you have to hustle to survive in these countries and that kind of like that gets deep rooted into the the you know the family and then you know your dad teaches you and your mom and you see how your mom's hustling on this you know things like that um so i absolutely think the hispanic culture does a big freaking it's a big deal from so if you part. master the miami acquisition property acquisition then the basically the the rest of the country is like a piece of cake <laughs> or um yeah <laughs> i would say so i mean probably some people won't agree but i would say from my experience when I, I did solely South Florida for a few years, and then when I started going nationwide, it was not hard to, <laughs> it was not hard to scale nationwide um, fast. You know, we did a bunch of deals in Vegas and California and Texas, and and it wasn't hard. Let's call it that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now you got the Miami experience. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Now you also, uh, so so coming from a the 8 million views perspective in TikTok, you you call this tenant and this tenant sounds like she's also hispanic yes 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 she is she's hispanic um and it was a it was an interesting situation you know and and if you're watching you go check it out on tiktok and stuff but where can they find it uh raul Baluf, uh the real raul balufe on uh on tiktok or it's on my instagram raul balufe but i mean it was a a tough situation it definitely is controversial um having to raise a tenant from 1100 to 2200 or have that conversation it happens every day like you know you guys could see all that I, actually we have part four coming out today as we film this so uh we have part four coming out today but um as you you could you could check that out but like the bigger thing that comes along with that and what i really feel is the reason why we got so many views and so much attention is that there's two sides to every story you have the tenant side which they do have a point like oh shoot like they raised my rent from this to this like Damn. And then you also have the landlord side. So yes, are, are any of, it's kind of like, they're both correct. They both have points. They're both right. And they're both, um, they're both can play the victim if they want to. But what I'm saying is that seems like the bigger problem. And that's why I think it got so many views and so much, um, exposure was because there's a lot of tenants out there, but then there's also a lot of landlords and because of the different, the inflation and things that have been going on in the market, it's made it a lot harder for both parties. Like, to own a rental property is gotten a lot harder and a lot more expensive, which means that the tenants have to pay for that. And, you know, a lot of it we can control, we can't control as landlords and the tenants can't control. So that's what I feel is the bigger issue. There's like, there's a lot of factors happening in the economy. That's kind of like having both parties, the landlords and the tenants uh, lose a little grip and it's inflating both sides and, you know, it's, it's messed up, but you know, I, I think that, there's a lot to be uncovered there. Do you think that there is, is, is does someone have a fault? 
does or something has a fault or, or you're inclined to more like it's just the economy it's happening like or yeah it's, it's kind of just the way it goes um yeah. things go up things go down there's inflation there's deflation like you know we're just in a, in a period that is inflation you know they printed a lot of money there was a pandemic that happened and um in exchange for that there had to have been a a pump in the market to keep us somewhat afloat right when you take away people's ability to work and you take away people's abilities to go and produce uh income or go to the office and things like this that comes with a consequence the consequence was printing money and in exchange for that prices of things go up in exchange for that you know interest rates go up in exchange for that payments go up and and taxes and insurance and yeah. um look i encourage everyone to hopefully have investment properties one day if you want and um you know my message to that is it's there's two sides to the story and my tenant is not in she's not incorrect but also as a landlord we don't get into buying properties to lose money and it's not completely our fault that you know insurance has gone up 30 percent just this year you know just in the last couple months here taxes have gone up and that kind of happens you know when the cost of like milk and chicken eggs i saw something about eggs have gone up like astronomically my <laughs> mom started to like she bought like a, a hen and she put chickens in there to get her own eggs she's well she, she bought a hen and yeah she, and she, bought she bought chickens. A, yeah and she got like seven chickens and she has it in her backyard she's like i'm tired of paying all this money for eggs <laughs> i'm like mom you're crazy bro. <laughs> so anyways uh that's what happens bro when shit goes up people people do different things yeah you see a lot of chickens in miami it's funny <laughs> you do like, you see you see chickens in brickle and uh and then uh, like Brick was like uh what high-end city yeah and then there is like a chicken in the middle of nowhere <laughs> <laughs> only miami bro <laughs> only my have you have you seen only in date the page yeah yeah that's, yeah, a, yeah that's a good page it's a good page man and uh i actually met uh miami comedy.com the, the guy that you know he doesn't run that page but he's friends with the, of the guy that runs that page and he also has had the comedian that is a, was the face of that page marcelo hernandez um, cause if no one has checked out that my only in date, you'll see that Miami, South Florida itself, Florida itself, a lot of crazy things happen that don't happen. That's why people say, oh, that a, the Florida man, the Florida man is hap is uh, th that happened in Florida. No wonder <laughs> the Florida man, the guy grabbing a, a alligator, alligator yeah. uh, with a smoke, <laughs> with a smoke on his, with his cigar in his yeah. mouth, just like casually opening his mouth <laughs> this is a cool shit that happens out here man yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um uh so if you do miami real estate investing uh the rest will become easier uh like like he, <laughs> he's, yes it's bad yeah if you can get deals in miami real estate if you can wholesale deals in miami real estate the rest of the country becomes easier yeah yeah well, obviously like most of the listeners here real estate investors wholesalers real estate entrepreneurs they they're, they're in this game, right? So they will understand. But um, so what would you say something uh, that maybe tenants will go rattled or like they'll absolutely not believe or it's hard for them to believe? What is something that tenants would not agree with you at all uh, on their perspective, even if they try to teach them that this is a business also for you? Yeah, I think uh, from, from my experience, tenants don't agree with raising uh, a crazy amount of rent. So tenants don't agree with, oh, I'm going from 1100 to 2200, but tenants typically can agree from going from 1100 to 12 or 1300. So, and it's, ha it happened to me like personally, you know, and again, I'm not trying to play a victim. This is literally just factual. What happened? I lived in a condo not far from here in downtown. I was paying $3,100 a month. And after a year, they decided to raise it to, oh, <laughs> after a year they decided to raise it to 6500 a month and um there's nothing i could do about it i just left you know and that's life i gotta suck it up so i didn't agree with it but i just had to leave i i think tenants from my experience they don't agree with large raises they don't agree with landlords when it comes to fixing up the place obviously that's a big thing it's like oh let's let's fix this part up don't fix this part up or a lot of tenants won't agree with that as well yeah <laughs> like uh fixing stuff up and and raising astronomical amounts they're never going to agree even though the landlord might have the in the right um or you know it's their business to to do that that's one of those are a few of the things that like come to mind yeah yeah so um 
what type of messages have you been getting after that? Like after 8 million views oh, and <laughs> what are Should we read saying? some? Should yeah, read let's some? read some of the... <laughs> let's read some. I, oh, shoot. I deleted my... I, so I deleted my Instagram during the week and I, I, I don't... I, I don't, I don't have it right now, but <laughs> I get, I get downloaded. We can get it, but I get emails every day, you know, calling me scum Lord. They're telling me, I, I hope you die. I want to hang you. Um, some people got to my mother cause my mom was defending me on the comments and in Instagram and they started writing to her like, Oh, you know, uh, I'll kill you too. You know, stuff like that. Wow. Okay. There was one, I got one comment that the guy said, Hey, does this address mean anything to you? And it was my office address. And so people are kind of like finding out where, where I work and where I live. So it's, it's getting a little scary, but I'm not worried about it. Those are some of the comments I get, man. It's It's been interesting. Man, so people are literally sending you threats. But okay, this happens all the time with all famous time. people. Yeah, all the time. Uh, people that send controver like they say controversial stuff. People that say that they don't agree, especially like when they talk about politics, when they talk about um any type of religion stuff the matrix some, the matrix <laughs> something going on like andrew tate for yeah. example when they talk about masculinity and you know yeah and feminism or whatever and all this so it happens all the time so i don't think you should yeah no but it was just it was weird right like i didn't let it affect me but you know when you have so many people calling you crazy things so frequently it definitely was like a shock especially since my intent was not negatively to the world i was just trying to show what really happens with tenants and what really happens in in real estate i've been recording myself for a while making a bunch of different calls and um you know i have calls talking to to potential employees i have tall i have calls with sellers i have calls with buyers um i have all these types of calls that i've posted online and um i do it to show the realness of it it's not just all like checks and fancy cars and jets and stuff like there's real shit to this. And um, that was my intent. So when I get all those death threats and stuff, I was like, shit, I guess people don't like the truth. Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> did you respond to any of them? Yeah, I did some. What, what did they say? I did some. They would, we would just go back and forth. I tried to call, some people called me, I called them back, they wouldn't answer. And then I would just respond. But I'm always respectful, you know, like I understand they're coming from a place of, of maybe they feel hurt or maybe they can relate. Yeah. And so I don't want to like disrespect anything, but I did, I did respond to a few. I got called the Andrew Tate of real estate. <laughs> yeah. So that was uh, interesting. Uh, you know, it's funny. Like when I mentioned the death threats, I, when I first heard of Andrew Tate, I would, he, you know, I heard something about him, like talking about security and he always had like a, a pack of security. And, you know, if he'd get a haircut, he would ha close down the whole shop and all this nonsense. And I'm like, once I started, I mean, I got like a, like a smidget of like attention online, you know, yeah. 8 million is nothing compared to what goes on in the traffic, but I got that little smidget and I get all these death threats. So I can imagine someone like him or someone like Donald Trump or someone like Kanye, like some of these controversial figures. I understand now why they have so much security, you know, like yeah. this is just a smidget. And even me, I was like, oh shit, should I like get something like that? Yeah. But if like this is going on and on, I'd be like, fuck yeah, I'm, I'm getting a team of security. I don't care. You know? Well, Mr. Mr. Beast, Mr. Beast, who is the YouTuber guy that has billions of views. Yeah, yeah, he's crazy. He talks about how he he doesn't live a, like a lavish lifestyle. He doesn't have Lambos, all this stuff. However, like he used to, he lives in a, in a house that is a very common house, whatever, traditional. But um, I think he, 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 he actually not, didn't get jumped, but he got broke into. Uh, and uh, it seems like even if you actually get some sort of popularity or some sort of like level status, you still have to upgrade your where you live and what you use on a daily basis to protect you. Because the more attention or the more impact you're getting or the more money you're making and people notice it, even though we're in North America, we're, we're in the US, there's still people that would have bad intentions, right? Especially if you're in social media, like Mr. Beast, Cristiano Ronaldo can't go out by himself and like do yeah. their own stuff. Can't even go grocery shopping Nothing. without like being camouflaged or something like that. Yeah. Nothing. Uh, so you having 8 million views and you already kind of seen a little bit of that, the wave, it's crazy. It's yeah. crazy to me. I mean, it's I know it's tiny, but just to see that little wave, it opened my mind up to like people like Mr. Beast or, or the, you know, the, the Paul brothers, like these people must get 
infinite amount of death threats and stuff like it, you know it just becomes like a thing that you're like i understand now you know i understand now i'm not there yet clearly but now i get it i'm like oh this andrew tate maybe he's not that crazy you know I, I, it makes sense and he's very controversial so i really understand him you know it's funny because you decided to document what real estate investors do all oh, this the happens, time this happens every day bro. all the time every day all our clients have gone through one or two at least oh. where they have to evict tenants they have yeah. to kick out squatters yeah right? imagine you uh actually filming kicking out a squatter oh, like okay. how how bad would it look what it or how how many views would that get yeah. right i don't know man, <laughs> but like I, people love drama you yeah know? um and I think people like the controversial stuff because it brings out the emotional uh, part of them. And people want to have an opinion um, and they want to be heard and they want to be listened to. And the, the myself and the people commenting that this platform, it's like a, it's a triple win, you know, it's entertainment and, and both parties can be heard. This is kind of like this podcast. I think why podcasting has done so well in the last, you know, decade or so, but Anyways, people feel heard and like something that brings out an emotion allows them to portray their opinion and then other people can comment on their comment and heart it and share it and then they make fun of each other and then they make fun of me. And so it's just like, I, how many views would that get would be a lot, you know? <laughs> I think I saw one of that got like 7 million views that actually, um, you know, Alec had, had shown me, but uh, I, I didn't want to go down that route. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it wasn't just by it, it wasn't just like oh you just decided to like record and it was it was just that it was actually planned out like a recording um okay i'm gonna call this person right um and i'm gonna you're gonna set up the cameras and things like that there is a process towards that towards creating content yeah um and all the content that now you're getting like can you walk us through as a real estate investor as a wholesaler that is you know kind of like increasing his brand and uh, you're growing your brand towards um, so when you when you work on your brand, there's several benefits out of it. Well, you not only get exposure of, of what you do, and people can trust if if it's a buyer, then you they can trust that your social media page, your YouTube channel shows that you actually actively do deals and have team, right? But also, it's great for like recruiting, hiring, um, ultimately attracting talent. Um, maybe there is people that they don't know how to close deals. They can bring them to you. Uh, and you do a J, J, joint ventures, That's JVs. Right. Um, there's also sellers that want to potentially bring you properties that they see you as someone that could potentially buy their house and many other benefits um, out of it. So what, like, how is that thought process or how is the entire like branding content day-to-day uh, -day that you're having right now? That's a good question. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I first realized that how powerful this was probably like two years ago is when I really got more serious about it. Right now, my process is mainly short form stuff. Uh, my end goal is to be on YouTube and have long form videos and do more podcasts like this. And uh, I kind of like more long form stuff personally, but the short form stuff is incredible right now. I think uh, anyone watching this that wants to get into content, I would focus there first personally. But my process is I pick one day a week, depending on my schedule, and it, take, it maybe takes me about three to four hours. And everything I want to record, I just do it in that day. And I have like little microphones I bought from Amazon, you know, the ones you put here, pretty simple. I got a little selfie stick that rotates. I don't know what it's called, you know, like kind of like a gimbal type thing. Yeah. I got one of those for my iPhone. I don't even use a camera. I just use my iPhone. I use the, the little thing and I'll get somebody from my office and say, hey, can you record me for three or four hours? I have a friend of mine that he will send me some ideas. I pay him to do so. He he sends me ideas and he sends me um and he sends and he does the editing, sorry. And he does the editing. So, he sends me ideas, but I also like to do a lot of my own ideas. So, I said I want to be a part of the creative process. I want to be in front of the camera and that's it. You yeah. know, and you do the editing, you post it, you do all that stuff. And that is some of the stuff, you know, the call um the call was my idea but he gave me, he told me, look, if you're going to do calls, do them on this day. And so always when I do calls, I just wait till like a Thursday and I do it. And when, when I'm recording, I put the microphone here and I just make, bang out calls. You're and, calling sellers or buyers? I do. I call sellers, buyers, potential employees, everything. Okay. Everything. 
Um, I mean, I'm still pretty, pretty involved in the wholesale business. So um, I just record myself just doing stuff throughout the day and I have rentals and Airbnbs and stuff. So I just record myself um, good or good, bad or ugly, you know, like that was an ugly part of it. You know, I just showed it. But anyway, so one day a week, I try to bang out like seven to 10 um, short form videos and I'll probably try to do one long form. So like a horizontally filmed um, thing, kind of sitting in a couch like this you know, talking some ideas or maybe a topic that I find trending or something I do want to talk about or something that's helped me um, grow this past month, this past week, this past year, et cetera. At what point um, should a real estate investor, wholesaler, real estate entrepreneur start putting content out there? Oh, yesterday. Yesterday? Easy. Yeah. Easy answer. Yesterday. Every step of the journey, bro. Every step, even if you don't know anything, that's the best. That's a beauty. Like, even if you don't know anything, if you just post that, I mean, it's incredible. Like the the amount of support you'll get, the, you're going to get some haters, you know, you're, it's just going to happen. You're going to get some people, but yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Yesterday. So there is uh, obviously like what you're saying, it just totally correlates with what Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary Vaynerchuk, ah, Gary V. Gary v. <laughs> I'm just going to say Gary V. He, what he preaches on, which yeah. is document your journey because people are seeing this and this compounds over time. Oh, yeah. Like see, for example, I, I, know, I know an example of a YouTuber. Her name is Lily Invests. Um, it's this YouTuber where she essentially from the beginning, she started like, I'm going to go and start, uh, you know, putting offerings in my first properties, all this, blah, blah, blah. And she's putting, she's putting YouTube. So her first steps in the business uh, ended up, being documented, put the effort into like putting a video. Now she's wholesaling, awesome. she's buying properties. Now she's getting offers of multifamily properties being partnered wow. uh, to raise capital too. Uh, because now she has built some sort of uh, like a distribution network. Like uh, she has built a an audience, right? That, that believes in her because she's there. she's been there from the beginning. And now she has attracted great talent, great investors, um, private money. She's been in other podcasts. Uh, but it's just an example that even if you have not started and you want to build a great business in the future, um, brand should not be looked upon. Like, should, like if you think about it, the, the people that when you start a business, your first focus is revenue generating activities. That's right. Yes. The generation and sales, 100%. Yeah. That should be your 100% of focus. But um, when you start branding yourself and documenting your journey, that brand in one or two years compounds so big that it's going to either at some point even overcome the active lead gen that you're doing, like the active marketing that you're doing. like. That brand, that compound effect is going to bring you referrals, is going to bring you special potential partnerships, JVs, free leads, oh, uh, everything, all of, the, all of that. So I missed out on that because I did not put myself out there like this, like doing YouTube or social media from the beginning. So I paid only like direct, direct, uh, you know, direct response yeah. marketing, like cold calling, cold messaging, uh, Facebook ads. All this, I did this groundwork, great work, grind work uh, from the beginning. But, and then I started my working on my brand hard, like when I already had money. But I could have working harder on my brand from the very beginning while I was working hard on the direct response marketing, which is the generation, direct to seller, things like that. So you bring out like a huge point on why it's important to actually do it. Yeah. So you're going to get into YouTube long form content. What do you think you're going to be putting out there? Well, I've already been doing some, um, more, uh, long form informational type things. Um, I do have some entertainment type of, uh, content, like, you know, going to see properties or going with me on an appointment or going to check out my latest Airbnb project or things like that. But overall, like the premise of my channel of like my brand that I want, cause the brand is like, how do people talk about you when you're not around? That's, yeah. that's how I see the brand. And I want to be known as real estate guy, entrepreneurship guy, you know, lifestyle, someone that kind of can portray. This is how, this is what has helped me in my life. I don't have all the answers. I can help you to the best of my knowledge in this field, right? In this circle of like real estate investing, that's my niche. So that's what I'm going to put content on real estate investing, 
all my challenges. I put videos there of like when I did my first $300,000 a month last year and all the mistakes I made. I've also put videos on there of, of how I lost a hundred and something thousand dollars on a fix and flip. Like th that's the kind of image I want to portray. It's real, you know, it's real. Like it's, it's stuff that really happens, you know? Um, also having fun. Yeah. And having fun, you know, like I have uh, videos of, of my trip to uh, my Europe trip I did last year. I went to Greece. I went to, uh, where else did I go? Mykonos, Zakynthos, yeah. Italy. I don't know. So, so have you gotten <laughs> people to send you JV opportunities just by doing, putting yeah. things out there? Oh, or even from this video, the 8 million views video. Do you 8 million, not so much. <laughs> 8 million, not so much. I got a lot of leads on my website, but they weren't. <laughs> And they weren't great leads. Uh, let's call them cold leads. Um, yeah. So um, from this video, actually, though, from this video, it got me a lot of attention from like my peer group, right? Mm -hmm. So everyone who's a real estate investor and has rentals or tin wholesale, they they kind of know the pain I'm feeling. Like you mentioned, most of your clients or all of your clients have gone through this. Like what I did of raising a rent, it happens probably every single day, multiple times around the U.S. Like this is I did nothing special. Like Yes, it was, you know, a shitty situation, but it happens to everyone. So when when my peer group saw that the video did so well in the New York Post, like a lot of them reached out, like, yo, how you doing? Awesome job. Continue to post, you know, like great work. Like, wow, you're taking so much shit. Like, I, you know, that's awesome. You know, you know, hey, stay strong because they would see how many people bash me, you know, and like the New York Post wrote a you know, kind of that article saying like how bad landlords are and myself. You know, it was translated in different languages, which I don't even I don't even know what they said, but I'm sure it wasn't good. Um, but they reached out to you to ask you for permission. Yeah, or, they reached or, out. Okay. Yeah, some did. Not all of them, though. Some did. The New York, the New York uh, Post did. The Daily Wire did. Um, the iHeartRadio did. Chris Cuomo. Um, and some other did. They just decided to do P, uh, like PR. Yeah, some just but put they just there. spoke, they talk shit or. Yeah, like from from what I think I learned from this experience is that when it comes to the PR, if they ask for your permission, they can quote you. Mm. If you don't give them permission, they can write an article on their opinion about the video, but to quote your words, I think they need my opinion. Right. So, I mean, they, they need my approval. So um, yeah, it was crazy, man. Like, and, and when people see that, and also one of my mentors, Kent Clothier called me and he's <laughs> like, bro, I see you on the front page of Yahoo right now. <laughs> he's like, what the fuck is going on? And and so, so yeah, I got some attention and some of my peer group, like they, you know, they called me up and supported me. So I, th I thought that was pretty cool about it. It is. It is cool. Yeah. Didn't know that your uh, Ken Kluder is your, is your mentor. Yeah. Yeah. Are you in boardroom? In boardroom. Yeah. That's right. Are you going on this uh, February? In Nashville? Nashville. Yeah. I'll be there next ah, week. We're going to fly together. Let's go. Let's freaking go. No, man. I didn't yeah, know that. Man. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I saw you in the Scale and Escape. I remember in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. 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 So I actually coached with him one-on-one. -on -one. Oh, with great. Kent. Yeah, been for a little while. And uh, he's a great dude. He's a great guy. Yeah. You also were uh, uh, a mentor to one of the one of the guests here in, in the podcast recently, Willie. Yeah, right? that's right. You were you were the original mentor of Willie. Yeah. I mean, this was this was almost 10 years ago. You know, this is a, a while back. Oh, uh, OK. Yeah. He cold called my office and he's like, yo, uh, I know you don't know me, but uh, I know uh, I don't know. He, we knew someone in common. I can't remember who it is from my high school. And he's like, I really want to learn wholesale. Like what can we do? I'm like, yeah, come, come to my office tomorrow, you know? And, um, you know, he's a smart guy and he, you know, he already had a lot of drive and he already had a lot of, you know, brains that he came from like a background and he crushed it, man. We did a couple of deals together in the beginning. Um, and now he's off to the races, which is incredible. So yeah. So yeah. Good. We had an episode. So if you guys are wondering about that episode, it was pretty fire. Um, it was the first episode of the season two of online hustlers podcast. Oh, love it. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's walk through, um, how you're currently doing, uh, deals and you're consistently doing a hundred deals. So like, dude, a hundred deals means that you're essentially doing, um, how many, like maybe 10, 10 deals per month or something. Yeah. Like but 19 deals average. a month. Exactly. Nine deals a month. Yeah. yeah. And so how are you sustaining that? How is that going? And well, <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's controlled chaos <laughs> basically. <laughs> so wholesale business, I mean, look, there's people out there that have it really tight, but anyone who tells you they have like a really well knit wholesale business is probably full of shit. Yeah. Like wholesaling is a game that there's so many variables that 
they you, you kind of always have to have uh, there's a lot of variability meaning you know oh the buyer said this the seller said this and every situation is different yes you can come up with a one two three step process but it, it can get pretty chaotic so how do i run it it's really just a marketing and sales thing like we spoke about earlier and we talked in the elevator about the google ads so we're getting most of our deals through google ads nationwide so if somebody searches like sell my house fast you know houston texas or miami florida or you know uh, austin texas uh uh, Montgomery, Alabama, I pop up, right? Or I bid to pop up on top. And that is probably 60 to 70% of our lead generation right now. And then the rest is texting, you know, cold texting and stuff, which I know could be a little gray, but my goal is to kind of get away from that as, uh, you know, as soon as I can. But yeah, we generate leads like that. They come into our business. We have closers and sales team in the office here in, um, in Coral Gables that were trained by me and trained from other sales professionals and, and things like that. And they, the leads come in, they call them, we close them, and then we sell them for profit. <laughs> Are you retargeting those people from with Facebook? We have some retargeting campaigns, yeah, but not on Facebook, on Google mainly. So like Google Display. Google Display, yeah. And they'll show up in articles, they'll show up in right, YouTube. Right, in the Gmail. Gmail. Shit, yeah. But not in Facebook? Not on Facebook. Why? You can literally put $5, $10 a day on Facebook and pop up again people that are on the fence yeah. or just put a video and be like, Oh, this company is legit. And I'm gonna, yeah, no, honestly, there's no good reason. <laughs> <laughs> I just, um, I haven't got there yet. Like, so I had a COO that recently left and he was in charge of the Google ads before me. Mm. I had learned about it and I know about it, and, but he was really the one in the nitty gritty doing the ads and everything. So when he recently left, I took over. And, um, so I'm just kind of like, I had to kind of clean a lot of things up. I had to learn how everything was set up. And then, so I'm just focused on the direct advertising now. And then, yes, eventually I would like to get more involved in the retargeting, but mm. no good reason, honestly. Okay. <laughs> I know I'm missing out on some money. Trust me, I, I know, but. Uh, yeah, it's just, yeah. Uh, it's, it's just that. The, the credibility the traffic. Thing. Also, the same traffic that um, that is going to your, to your Google, um, that people that are on, on the fence can be, again, retargeted and you can show up in Facebook or Instagram right after they have gone to your website on Google mm. or the day after the day after that. And you can show up as a video, right? So you're great in video, right? So you can literally tell them a story of a homeowner that you have helped. So if you, if you, I'm a hundred percent sure that you have hundreds of stories. Yeah. So you can go and say something like, uh, we just helped a homeowner that was in a probate situation or let's say was in pre-foreclosure about to lose their house and uh, we got like we got him under contract save him from losing the house or going through that stress um, here's the proof of the contract the way that we helped them was that we offered them cash or actually we offered them terms mm. uh, now the seller is great he's having a great time actually john i mean you can even have a video with with the seller or just tell the story right and they'll be like and then do the call to action like, hey, if you're still um, on the fence on working with us, uh, just click on the link below, see how we have helped other people like John or Maria um, and help them sell their property and get their property off of their hands after their their situation. And we gave them cash. Uh, if cash does not work, that's okay. We also have other ways to acquire yeah. property. So. Um, we like are 24-7 open to messages and calls, so click the link below and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see your application. I love that. I love so you, that. you essentially are telling them that even though they visited your page, uh, they didn't take action, um, you are now showing your face, building a report before the, the call comes, mm. and um, it, it gives you a, a higher percentage of conversion of your Google Ads. Yeah. Interesting. So it increases even just five dollars, ten dollars a day, dude. Wow! You put on Facebook, it and shows it, up it'll, on Instagram, Facebook, um, <laughs> and you'll you'll increase your like landing page conversion, right? The, of the same ads that you're running on Google. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, do it. That's great because I mean we already paid for the lead and we're just retargeting the same lead just on a different platform with with a uh, yeah. I like it. I like it. I mean, everything you gotta do is. Uh, just insert the pixel in the web in the landing page they use for Google. The pixel starts intaking the information, 
Um, it's a Facebook pixel. The Facebook pixel, which uh, is going to uh, consume, like it's, it's going to know they're going to be tracked by a cookie. But if they, for example, using uh, an Apple, you can also put the uh, API tracking, which now tracks their IP address, tracks a lot of the things. Oh, shit. Um, and you feed that information into Facebook of all the traffic that goes. And now you're going to be popping that's right sick. After. You become omnipresent. Yeah. Right. For five, ten bucks a day. Five, Incredible. five dollars, ten dollars a day. We, we, I know we did Facebook stuff, but I don't think we did that. Okay. I don't think we did that retargeting. I know we have the display ads. I'm going to look into it. I'm going to, I'll pick your brain after here to, uh, to, to, to figure out exactly what would be the best strategy. But, and with the, with, with the current uh, momentum that you have on TikTok, you can also do it in TikTok. Oh shit! Really? Same thing. TikTok feeds. Uh, you feed the pixel of TikTok. Okay. And you you do, you do the same video except that it's under sixty seconds on TikTok, and do the exact same thing. And the setup for Facebook and TikTok is exact same setup. Super, like it's almost the same. Really? Almost the same. You're just uh, feeding mm. um, the traffic that comes from Google. And now Facebook is going to take that. Tra- it's going to recognize that traffic, and Instagram is going to ta- recognize the traffic, and TikTok too. Right. And Shit. this video. I didn't know that. I don't, I don't have really experience with like the TikTok ads or. or no. I'll get there, and I appreciate the idea. I'm gonna definitely do it. <laughs> I'm like uh, now. I'm like thinking like, damn, how much? How much? How many leads have I lost from not doing that? You know. But uh, it is what it's it is. Fine. You know. Um, actually, will we touch base about uh, reoffer campaigns, reactivation? campaigns that people are missing out on money on on uh, reoffer campaigns do you do that like doing reoffers reactivations reengaging campaigns um Wait, re- on, resurfacing on, on google no the leads that come in okay and uh they haven't been touch base for like more than three months oh months. i see i see yeah yeah i mean we just have our team like just pound them on the phones and stuff like that we do it like uh online i, I wouldn't say no i don't do the reactivation online i do them all we text our full database once a month. We um, and then we have a team of six junior acts. They're just constantly texting and calling everyone who hasn't answered in the last like three years. You know, mm. like we just have like all the leads in the last couple of years, and that's their world. Like just get deals from that. We did like uh, we did about three hundred thousand dollars on old deals last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just from calling and texting. Are you also? So are you also asking for their email, the seller's email? On Google? Yeah, of course. Yeah. But when you do SMS? SMS, if they get to the point that they're a lead, yes. Okay. But our, our strategy for SMS is, are they interested? If they're interested, all right, now they go to an acquisitions person. Mm-hmm. And then we just you know call and do the, try to get them on the phone as quickly yeah. as possible. I'm not sure if you do this, but... Um, so we started doing this even more recently. Uh, when we send out emails to kind of be top of mind on them, like, hey, these are seven ways to sell your house for cash. Or this is this is the things to avoid from selling to a real estate investor or avoid this type of real estate investor as a subject line. You send like an that. email like That's that. That's a good one. Right? Uh, you send an email, homeowner opens that email, and as soon as they open or they click on the link to like find out more, um, the email link is feeding now, again, the pixel on Facebook, Google Display, Instagram, and TikTok. Oh, so what? now they have clicked on the email that you've sent them through time. Oh, and you can and retarget you, them. And then retarget them once again. Wow, that's incredible. Because, yeah. That's some ninja stuff right there, man. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> That's really good. That's yeah, really you, good. you literally just put um, you, you put whatever link you have on the email. Uh, let's say you do active campaign or whatever. What do you use for email? Mailchimp. Mailchimp. Okay. Yeah. Mailchimp. They click on the email. Uh, once once there's a trigger link, the, there's going to be a trigger link based on that click. Once they click on that email, open that email, or you click on the link, have a workflow that sends a webhook to Zapier. You're okay. you're nerdy. Yeah, I have Zapier. So Zapier will capture <laughs> will capture the information. Yeah. And feed the pixel of Facebook and Google. Okay. Because you can feed the custom audience. Okay. And that's how now and now you have a campaign running on Facebook, which is five dollars, ten dollars a day. And uh, you know, you're showing up. 
in there. Mm, that's good, man. Yeah, yeah. That is good. <laughs> yeah, just uh, I like that. And yeah, and I like that. I'm going to get there and all that stuff for sure. I need like, I, d- I just need a couple hours like diving deep into it and doing it. And then I'll, I'll understand a, a deeper level of like how you're talking about. I understand it in, in general. Uh, but I mean, that's pretty cool. Send us, um, send us five referrals on, send us five referrals on, uh, on our services and, uh, we'll do it for free for you. Let's do it. Love that. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah, yeah. All right, man. But actually I, I wanted to, yeah, I'll ask, I want to ask you after for, for an affiliate. So, or I want to see how that works. So I can blast it on my, to my, uh, email list and all that. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So, um, one of the few things that I, I, I would love for, for listeners to know, We've been live for almost an hour, but like the podcast has uh, been a little less, a little bit less than that. But um, so you've been in the game for several years now. You have not exited the wholesale business. No. Like a lot of people exit the wholesale business. They get tired. They become coach. They go to another niche. They say wholesaling is dead. Yeah. Why? Why you are still in the business and what's next? Yeah. Um, good question. That's a really, really good question. There's, there's been a few times I've been wanting to exit the business. I'm not going to lie. There's a few times I've gotten a little frustrated with it. Um, you know, the redundancy of it, but I, I always go back to the first chapter of think and grow rich. And, um, I might not get it exactly right, but the premise is that this guy has this land and, you know, he bought the land for a certain amount. I don't know. Let's call it $70,000. And he's, he's, he bought the land to get oil out or to dig things out of it and sell it. And he got tired of it. He made a bunch of money just digging, digging the oil out or whatever. And he sells the land for whatever it is, 100000 Then the next person buys the land and digs seven feet deeper and finds all this oil and sells it for $70 million. Hmm. So the guy's gold... Okay, I'm riding the bike. The guy's gold was just seven feet deeper. And I I'll constantly go back to that in my mind, meaning, yes, is there other options? Yes, is exiting the business a, a possibility? Yes, coaching. Yes, you know, YouTube, podcasting, you know, uh, affiliate marketing, e-commerce, whatever the fuck. Yes, that is a possibility. But I think that the gold for me is seven feet deeper in wholesale. And I think that um, I still have the passion for it. I still like, I still like it, man. And I like the possibilities of what it can bring. You know I mean? I decided to turn on buying rentals two years ago and I bought, you know, close to $10 million worth of rentals in two years of good properties, under leveraged, discounted. You know, if I do nothing else and if a lot of wholesalers do nothing else and just buy a good amount of properties, you know, using the rule of seven, like that's it, it'll be worth 50 million bucks in, you know, a form 50. And I do nothing else. And so what I'm getting at is the gold for me is in this business. And I remember talking to Doug Hopkins. Um, he'd be a good guy for you to meet. But Doug Hopkins is a huge wholesaler in California, LA. And he's, I don't know, how old he's probably he was 45, 50, something like that. Really nice guy. And I'm sitting next to him on a bus in a mastermind. And he does like 20, $30, $20 million a year in his wholesale business. Super successful guy all over TV. Really nice guy. I'm sitting next to him on the bus and I'm saying, Hey Doug, like why I asked him the same question. Why are you still in wholesale? Like, why are you still doing this? Like, like what else am I going to do? Like, this is what's brought me my living. This is what's allowed me to live extremely, extremely well. Like, what am I going to do now? Go and find a new career. I think that it's unreasonable. And I think it's really, really negligent to think that if you're in a business for, let's say six, seven, 10 years, and then you have success in wholesale or real estate, and then you leave and you go start e-commerce or Forex or something like that. To think you're going to be that good that fast, I think is really negligent. And I don't think there's really any people, anyone that has done that very successfully without lying, throw that out there. But the reason I stay in is because this is what I do, bro. Like this is, this is what I do. This is who I am. And I'm going to keep doing it. And um, when other people go and leave and do coaching and this and that, you know, cool. I'm going to do this and I'm going to get, I'm going to dig seven feet deeper than everybody else. It might take me a little longer because I'm a little slower. It takes me sometimes a little bit to learn. Um, and I like to have fun. I like to travel. I like to do shit. I don't, I'm not like the workhorse that works 15 hours a day, but it might take me a little longer, but this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to dig seven feet deeper every fucking day. And um, I'm not going to get distracted by some 
some bullshit out there. Yeah. Alex Ramosi talks about if you the same if you do the same work and the day, daily daily work that needs to be done in a 10-year period, you'll see the vast, like a huge increase on on the possibilities that we can do and the return it's going to be much greater than if you do it in one, two, three years that you actually got quick success. And then you suddenly want to switch up or suddenly want to do something else. Mm-hmm. 10 years, like what is your business going to be in 10 years from today? Right. Yeah. What is your business going to be past that? And that's how ultimately the most successful businesses and the most and the happiest people also think. Yeah. Because this is not a short term game. Yeah, right? definitely right? not. Um, I remember I had a couple friends that they were looking to get into wholesaling. They were doing other things and then they got into crypto and crypto was high, you know, a couple years ago, whatever. And uh, they were, you know, top of the world. And then I get a text, you know, not too long ago from, from you know, one in particular, like, hey, um, hey, can you teach me about this wholesaling thing again? And this is like the guy that was like, you know, flying on jets and stuff. So what I'm getting at is sometimes when you chase shiny objects, and you go change a bunch of different direction, you don't stick to something for at least 10 years. Like, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing? You're wasting your time, I think. Yeah. Um, you could get some quick success in the next industry, but I don't know. I, I don't, I've never really seen someone ex- someone get extreme. Or I've never read biographies or real people that have, have gathered extremes amount of success without doing the same thing for more than 10 years, period. Yeah. So. I mean, you could be the first one. Hopefully you are, but you become the best of it too. Yeah. You could be the first one to do six different things in your life and maybe make it, or you could just do the same thing for 25 years and invest and absolutely make it like what Grant Cardone says. He's like, I'd rather be rich for sure. Yeah. These people that jump from industry to industry. I mean, maybe you get rich. I hope you do. I'm not wishing harm on that. I'm just, I'd rather get rich for sure. I know if I do this shit long enough, it'll be, you know, a hundred million easy, Mm -hmm. like easy. But, you know, if I'm jumping now to e-commerce and whatever, you know, I'm just picking on that because it's in my mind. But yeah, it takes uh, time to become oh. really good at it. Like it takes it takes time to really get the most out of it. For sure. Uh, and uh, for example, like how many properties you're currently acquiring every year with your wholesale business? At least 10. 10. Yeah. So now compound that. Yeah. Right. If you stopped or slowed down your wholesale business, you're probably not going to have 10. Right. Right. You're probably going to have less or less opportunities to get that. And ultimately acquiring properties to hold and, you know, just to do rentals and, and yeah. all this is is the wealth building activity that works and has worked for a long period Forever. of time. Yeah. Right. And it's a slow, it's not so sexy, but it's like you said, the compound is such a nice word. You can you make know? it sexy. Yeah, exactly. You you can make it sexy by documenting, yeah. having videos. That's exactly right. Um, Bringing in interviews, podcasts, yeah, yeah. Um, maybe, maybe a few of the properties, uh, making it making it for other type of business models like yeah, short term rental ma- uh, notes. We we did some notes that it's. I thought it was pretty sexy, but it's like kind of thirty year loans. Oh, house notes, sexy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're on house. So notes. explain to us notes for people that haven't um, uh, well, done notes. Man, I I got so like I was depressed for like. A couple hours when i when i really like dove into the subject i'm like man i wish i would have known about this like i swear this is something that's incredible so basically there's this whole other world of notes right when you go get a bank from wells fargo or chase or bank of america right they write you a 30-year loan you put five percent down ten percent down whatever it is there's a note so there's a real estate asset there's the house this is an asset and then the note is an asset as well so there's two assets in this thing right or there's a mortgage note, contract for deed, whatever. But the note, right? This is the mortgage. This whole world is just like real estate. It's just like the house world. Like you can buy and sell this. You can get lending on this. There's people that lend you to buy this. There's people that lend you to create this. You can sell half of it. You can sell all of it. So for example, like I'm doing one right now. And we bought this house uh, for $47,000 in Lakeland, sold it for $99,000, and I created a note to the buyer, right? Which means that instead of the buyer going to a bank to get financing, they did it through me, right? So they put 10, uh, they put 10 grand down to the notes, like let's call it $90,000, you know, 47 was the purchase price, et cetera. So whatever. So I have this note for $90,000, right? They're, it's a 30 year loan. The beautiful thing is that 
this asset doesn't belong to me anymore. The house belongs to the buyer, mm -hmm. but this asset belongs to me. No, so this asset, I can refinance, I can sell, or I can sell what's called a partial. You could sell half of it or a piece of it. So now I'm selling a piece of this note for 50 grand or 53,000. I'm selling a piece of this note for 53 grand and I still have a lot of it. So meaning I'm selling like 30% of it for 50, 53,000. So I it get a little complicated, but all, of, all I'm saying is that the note thing, it's a whole other world and it's incredible. Like I highly suggest, there's a book by Mitch Stevens called My Life in a Thousand Houses. That book really opened my mind to notes. Um, one of the coaches that I, I used to coach with, Brett, he in, he introduced me a lot to it. But anyways, Mitch Stevens is a great guy uh, to 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 watch his YouTube and stuff like that. Um, Huge, he, you've heard of him? Yeah, he's, he's incredible. So uh, notes is, I mean, that's I find it sexy. But <laughs> see, that's me. That's what I mean by digging seven feet deeper. Yeah, you know, like if I just get three, four, five notes, of, uh, let's say three notes a year. I mean, at thirty year fixed, you know, like I did the math. I, at the ninety thousand dollar note, if they pay me for thirty years, I'll get like three hundred and eighty something thousand dollars for this house that I bought forty for forty seven thousand. That's like eight x the house for not doing anything. And you just do three of those. Imagine you know those are thirty year loans, so it's a long time now. But a lot of them will pay you off like in five years or seven years, or whatever. But imagine if you just had what twenty of those under your belt at three hundred and eighty to collect each. It's whatever a lot of money so anyways that's uh that's one little uh kind of unknown sexy part of real estate that i found <laughs> i found a couple years ago <laughs> uh, i love it man how can people again uh reach out to you or contact you or you know find yeah. out more yeah i mean on my website raulbalufa.com my email's on there which is info at raulbalufa.com and uh instagram TikTok, uh, YouTube. That's Tonamontana, Miami. <laughs> the Andrew Tate of real estate. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> but I told iHeartRadio that and they loved it. They're like, don't be called that. It was hilarious. But uh, <laughs> anyways, yeah, just uh, my name on all socials. Feel free to DM me or e email me. It's like my, if you really want a response, I'll, I'll reply to you there. Um, and yeah. Awesome. Good job. <laughs> Thanks for being in this no, episode. Man. I feel Appreciate like it. we could have gone forever, but yeah, we'll we'll bring you Let's in a second it. time whenever you're ultra famous now, <laughs> <laughs> or whenever you've been canceled. <laughs> uh, hopefully not. Hopefully it'll be a long time from now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, thank you for watching this episode and listening to this episode of the Online Hustlers Podcast, where we cover real estate conversion and at least real estate um, marketing. Uh, if you have uh, gotten any value out of it, you liked it, uh, and again, don't don't forget to subscribe and actually give us, leave us a review. Share this with your circle and community, and follow Raúl in social media uh, to let us know how we did. Yeah.